Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. The word of the day is WISDI. WISDI. And it has nothing to do with Wordle, at least as far as I know. Ask Kamala Harris. Apparently, she's totally hooked uh, on that You're game. You're the only person I know who isn't totally hooked on that game. Well, because you uh, condemned me after I inadvertently gave up one of the words one day. Oh, I was not alone in that condemnation, <laughs> my friend. That was insane behavior. Every Wednesday in the second hour of the program, we're thrilled to welcome Mark Halpern. He is the editor of the Wide World of News. I am a paid subscriber, and you should be. And today, another treat because he has penned a fake Ron Klain memo to President Joe Biden. He joins us now to discuss. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for being here. Can I let me just read from the opening paragraph, if I may. Good morning, says Ron Klain to Joe Biden, President Biden. Thank you for again expressing concern about how I'm doing. I know I look tired and have not been getting enough sleep, exercise or healthy food lately. But hey, these are the jobs we always wanted, right? You asked me about how I'm spending my time to make sure I'm focusing on the right things. Let me stop right there. How much how much concern should Ron Klain have for his job, given how things are going for the administration generally? Joe Biden is not the firing kind. Good morning, Michael. Nice to be on with you again. And I don't think I don't think uh, I don't think uh, anybody uh, is particularly concerned about their jobs. And the group that's been with him a long time, Ron Klain was with him way back uh, in his early days in politics. You look at Tony Blinken, the secretary of state. These folks, I I think, are as likely to be fired as Jill Biden. Now, they might want to quit either because they're tired or because, um, you know, they want to fall on the sword if they think it would help the president. But I I, I can't imagine Ron Klain being fired under any circumstances. He He could walk on Fifth Avenue and uh, poke somebody in the eye, and I still don't think he'd be fired. So Ron Klain, in your world, says to Joe Biden, you want to know how I'm spending my time. Forty four percent of my time is spent dealing with WISD. What is WISD? So Ron Klain has been around for a very long time uh, in Democratic politics. He knows a ton of people. And if you're in the chief of staff's club, members of whom have been white as chief of staff, you hear from the, your predecessors of uh, both parties. And so <clears throat> at, when a White House is in a bad place, the chief of staff is going to hear from all manners of people. And WISD stands for what you should do is because <laughs> Ron Klain is Ron Klain is hearing from a ton of folks. Uh, it's m- some some friendly, some maybe passive aggressive, basically saying, 
you know, you got this problem with immigration. You got this problem with a mask mandate. You got this problem with inflation. What you should do is, and then they say what they should do. And of course, if you're the White House chief of staff, you, you listen, as Ron Klain does, to say, maybe there's a good idea in there somewhere. But a lot of the time you're hearing ideas that you've thought about and the White administration's considered, but they're not they're not realistic. There's there's a downside to whatever the idea is that doesn't match the upside. So I run through some of the some of the ideas that they're hearing, as well as some of the things that are in the press today that that amount to what you should be doing is because they frame the the dilemma, which is practical in some cases, ideological in others, political in others. <clears throat> that, you know, as, as you know, the cliche is true, which is it only gets the inbox, of the chief of staff or the president, if it's unsolvable by everybody else. And if it's unsolvable by everybody else, it ain't easy to solve. So that's why Ron Klain's life now and probably through the midterms is defined by people saying to him, what you should do is da, 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 da. to the extent that's that one of the wisdy items is go visit Zelensky in Ukraine that ship has probably passed, right? Maybe there was an opportunity when President Biden was in Poland or when Vice President Harris was in Poland, even before Biden made his trip. Yeah, I think I think the logistics of it were possible then. You know, there are a lot of trends in America that aren't great. And one which most people might not care about, but I do, is in the old days, not that long ago, if like George Bush wanted to make a surprise trip to Afghanistan, they could tell some White House reporters you know, you know, there's going to be a surprise trip. We're not saying where you're going, hand in your phones. You can tell your editor and no one else. And those kind of trips occurred. I, 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 you know, as I understand it, the Biden White House feels like it wouldn't work. There's just the system is just there's too much Twitter. There's too much um, uh, carelessness, not enough appreciation for security. And so even if they tried to put him on a plane secretly, you know, he left in the middle of the night, sneaking him out of the White House, getting all the reporters to cooperate. Imagine if they tried to do all that and then it leaked out while he was in the air on a pretty long flight. They'd have to abort the mission and that would be just a disaster. But part of the problem the White House now has now is the president gets asked about this all the time. The president has not helped the White House out because he engages on it and he talks about, you know, you know, how how, you know, he'd like to go. Maybe he'll go. Maybe other people go. I think Jen Psaki had a misstep when she said we won't let him go. All of this just, you know, continues to get reporters who are obsessed with this. And, and I think kind of, unfortunately, a lot of news organizations, reporters probably more interested in whether the president takes that symbolic visit more than certain aspects of the war. So it's a distraction. But again, you know, it's not clear what, what they could do about it because some news organizations just aren't going to let it go until he either goes or they shut the door completely. In your faux Ron Klain memo to President Biden, he points out that David Ignatius has filed a great column, well-rounded reporting in terms of of where things stand with the Ukrainians, quote, basically advises us to get every last weapon to to Zelensky we can right now to avoid the Russians winning in the East as if we're not already working 24-7 to make that happen. Will you speak to that issue? What exactly uh, is going on in the East and what happens if Putin controls the Donbass? Well, I mean, you know, facts on the ground are always going to matter more than analysis, even by the most expert folks. But it would be, according to, to everybody I talked to and everybody in David Ignatius's column, it would be a disaster if Putin had a big military victory there and, and a military victory in the East is more likely for a lot of reasons 
than their failed effort to take Kiev. So uh, right now, um, there are more weapon systems going in quantity and quality than were going originally. There's still some lines the administration doesn't want to cross. Sometimes the the Ukrainians want to miss a a weapon system that, that the U.S. thinks wouldn't necessarily be all that effective. We're now training the Ukrainians or planning to outside the country. There's there's a lot going on, and it hasn't been perfect. But but I, I I bristle when people are just who are reflexively critical of anything this president or a Democratic president does when they criticize what they've done because I think it's it's been miraculous to arm the Ukrainians to get Congress on board occasionally Congress you know pushing the president harder. And to keep the coalitions largely together, again, not been perfect, but you look at there's no refugee crisis. I mean, it's a tragedy, but we don't see widespread suffering and and there's so much uh, going to help the refugees. We see the Ukrainians being armed. We see the sanctions largely holding. Those were the three big projects, arming uh, sanctions and refugees. And I think the Biden administration has done a great job of of doing, doing this under tough circumstances, but it's hard to, to, to get those weapons to the east, harder than to get them to Kiev because it's a greater distance and the Russians have more control there. They, they were already in, you know, in military presence there for quite some time. So this, this, the contours of the battle in the east are less favorable to the Ukrainians. How this will end, how long it will go, I don't think anybody knows. But the administration, I'll just say, they're, they're frustrated because... They feel like they're getting a lot there and, and it's never enough for some of their critics. Well, Mark, I was going to say he really doesn't he that really doesn't seem to resonate politically at home. If it were a humanitarian crisis, I think he'd be held accountable. But it's like there's all there's all downside, no upside. And meanwhile, what I've been saying on radio is the Republicans are wielding these three big sticks that include inflation, crime and border control. So what can he do? Well, it, it's an interesting question that I haven't really made my mind up about as to why he's not getting a kind of commander in chief glow reflected in his poll standing. I think to some extent, the American people don't care as much about Ukraine as they might. I think that the, the concerns at home are pressing and trump that. I think um, uh, American forces aren't there. So there's less sort of intellectual and emotional engagement, whatever the reasons are. And I think those are some of them. It's, I, I can't imagine now a scenario where uh, any outcome of what happens on the ground is really going to work to his benefit, the president's political benefit or the Democratic Party. I think what people want to see is he's got a theory of the case about how he'll deal with those three issues, immigration, crime and and um, inflation. And I don't know that they'll demand complete fixing of those problems before Election Day. But as I said, I think they want to see a theory of the case. And if you ask seven White House officials, what's the theory of the case on those three issues, you'll get nine different answers. So and 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 I don't think the president's offered much clarity on them. So that to me is is what he could do. He could just give people a sense he knows what his plan is on those things. And and again, if you look at his his daily rhetoric, what Jen Psaki says, what their allies in Capitol Hill say, it's just not clear to me that they actually have any plans on those three things that 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 give people confidence that they they have they have a theory of the case. So g- give me the, the the short list of pluses and minuses as to whether the administration appeals the federal judge order that lifted the mask mandate. How do you think behind closed doors today at the White House they are kicking that issue around? 
Well, they, they want the science to dominate and to govern. And there's still vulnerable populations who would like to fly in airplanes who may not feel comfortable without masks. I think they're considering those things. I think, I think, you know, the polling is different than what the right-wing media says and, and even what some people in the non-right-wing media say, which is the polling generally, not every poll, but the polling generally reflects people think masks are fine still or favor masks. That's different than kind of the tone of the coverage. And, and you and I have talked about this point before, but really, if you're just talking about the pure politics of the, of the pickle the president finds himself in, for a Democratic president, he is getting very negative coverage. The press's view of his performance on inflation, crime, immigration, even on even on the the, um, the pandemic, is more in line with what Fox News thinks than what you know what the dem- that the media's normal coverage of a Democratic president would be. So I think they're just, it's incredible to me they're not being decisive. I know part of their orientation is they don't think one Trump nominated federal judge should decide for the whole country what happens. They don't like her opinion. Her opinion's not particularly well-written, so I, I can see why that's under their skin a bit. But we know where this is headed. We know that even if the polls show people still want masks, you're not going to force this on people. And you see even the flight attendants who, you know, early on were concerned about, about the safety of no masks now want the masks off for the most part because it causes such tension. So I think they're weighing all of that. I, I think on both that on the and on the border issue of, of the provision that keeps people out of the country because of COVID, I think they're going to have to cave on both those things. If, if they do appeal, I think they'll lose probably. And and I think that I think that the facts on the ground here will make the the pursuit of an appeal meaningless because I think you'll see more and more businesses and jurisdictions getting rid of mask mandates. Mark, isn't what I'm about to say to you now draws the ire of a lot of people who listen to me, which is fine, but this is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, 
former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Isn't there an inherent inconsistency in saying we want you to wear a mask because the peril of COVID, the pandemic, is still real? And at the same time, we want to rescind Title 42 and allow normal asylum procedures to take place because... Well, the threat of the pandemic is now behind us. How can they have it both ways? And by the way, how can opponents argue it? How can those who say, yay, we get to take off our mask at the same time then not embrace the rescinding of Title 42? So I'll address the second thing in a moment. But tell me when people criticize you for saying this, what's their criticism? Uh, They say that, uh, well, for example, in the last segment of the program, a guy called and said those asylum seekers ought to be masked up. So, yes, it's consistent, Michael. Fly in an airplane with a mask. And if you're trying to gain entry into the United States, you similarly should be wearing a mask. Right. I guess I guess what I would say is, is for many Americans, including to answer your second question, the people on the right, the, the people who try to whose first act in the United States is to come here illegally are not on equal footing in terms of how they should be treated with American citizens. So. American citizens have the right to, and I'm, I'm expressing their point of view, not necessarily mine. American citizens have the right to decide whether they want to wear a mask or not, or a business can decide that, or a state. But when you come to people who are trying to come to the country legally, we have to be on guard and, 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 and not give them that same presumption. Now, of course, what a lot of them really feel is, according to a statistic I saw yesterday, and I think in the Wall Street Journal, Half the people who have been ejected from the country have been ejected under the Title 42 provision. So I think for a lot of people, they just see this as a good way to get people back out of the country, not allow them to come in and you know wait a couple of years to show up for a hearing. For sure. I mean, there's no doubt. I, I just marvel at the lack of pandemic discussion when Title 42 is getting kicked around. I mean, even if you have Mark Kelly, you have Kirsten Cinema. I think Chris Coons is now in the group of Democrats who say, wait a minute, not so fast on Title 42. But the conversation is right. all about border control. It's not about whether the pandemic has passed. Right. Well, I agree. But I think it's also this. Just It's just a reality. And obviously, it's no coincidence that most of the loudest Democrats about this are people who are running this year and have endangered seats. I mean, they, they sense the politics of it. I think, I think, I think from their point of view, it's this, that this is a provision that's keeping a lot of people out and the administration continues to not have a comprehensive plan. And that's what you hear from people. Often when people say that, you know, they shouldn't do this until they have a comprehensive plan. It's a, it's a, it's a rhetorical trick. It's a dodge. In this case, I think they really mean it, which is here's a provision regardless of, of, of whether, you know, the fact, regardless of the fact that it's pandemic based, here's a provision that's, that's keeping a lot of people out. And we need to keep people out because too many people are coming and we need to send signals. We, we shouldn't send signals to particularly Latin America, where most of the people come from, that the borders open again. And so to remove a provision without having a comprehensive plan to deal with what's expected to be a big influx, to remove a provision that's keeping half the people who are being kept out out would be a bad idea. And so I think 
they would be sympathetic on both the politics and the substance to no longer employing Title 42 if there were reason to think that that the, the, the border could still be controlled. But I don't think they see that. In the faux Ron Klain memo to Joe Biden in today's wide world of news, there's also reference made to uh, things that can be done by executive action, including forgiveness of student loan debt. I know you saw the Elizabeth Warren essay in The New York Times where she mm-hmm. says, hey, we better get something done in a hurry. Otherwise, we're doomed. One of the things she says they can get done is the forgiveness of student loan debt. Uh, when I aired this out on the program yesterday, there were callers who said that would be the way to absolutely guarantee that Republicans take control of both the House and the Senate. How do you think that specific issue is being kicked around today at the White House? And what will the president do? Well, I mean, they forget they've, they've forgiven some of it, but they're under pressure to do more. And he suggested during the campaign he would do more. I find that this issue is one, unfortunately, that's all too typical, which is it excites the extremes of both parties in a way that really kind of animates the discussion and, and, and deters policymakers in the White House and in Congress from coming up with a bipartisan solution. Uh, I think in general, I, just anecdotally, because I, I find the polling on this question to be kind of meaningless because it's so complicated. But anecdotally, a lot of people think it's unfair that some people's debt in one category would be, um, would be erased or, or, or limited when lots of people have debt for lots of reasons. And they entered into these agreements freely. So it definitely animates the left. Elizabeth Warren's right that, that if President Biden took more steps here, I think I think it would make uh, parts of the Democratic coalition, including young people, really excited, maybe more likely to vote for Democrats. But I also think that people on the far right and, and some in the center would find it to be a, a bridge too far uh, and, and as a matter of fairness. Because, uh, again, you know, people have all sorts of debt. Why, why should this one be forgiven in whole or in part? Hey, Mark, a final thought. By the way, the wide world of news is fabulous, and I look forward to receipt of it every single day, and I encourage people to become paid subscribers for it. If I had one big picture, 30,000-foot view of where we are right now at this moment in time, the Democrats have a passion problem. They have a passion problem. Republicans have issues that motivate their base. Democrats possess nothing of the kind right now. And oddly, the only thing out there that I see that can change the tide and energize Democrats, the emergence of one Donald John Trump. Well, it's certainly tempting. And a lot of Democrats think they should say not just Trump, but that everybody on the ballot is a Republican, is a Trump Republican. Um, you know, it didn't work in Virginia, where Terry McAuliffe in the governor's race last year went all in on that strategy. It doesn't mean it couldn't work elsewhere. But most Democratic strategists I know aren't super confident that that's that that's the way to win. You're right. There'll certainly be micro targeting of of some voters to turn them out on that on, on the, the boogeyman of Trump. But but most voters who are going to decide the midterms would say, Tell me what you're going to do on inflation. Tell me what you're going to do on immigration and crime. Tell me what you're going to do on jobs uh, and education and, and issues that affect their real lives. Don't tell me how scary a former president is. Again, the work we work with some voters, but I think I think I've written about this. I think every issue this week, effectively, which is Elizabeth Warren says we have to do something or we'll lose. There are a lot of Democrats, including the White House, that say, "Well, we'll do as much as we can, but let's talk about what we've done." already and what we'll do in the future if voters vote democrats back in 
until they sort out that debate, having a real plan that everybody's you know singing from the same uh, hymnal, it's going to be a challenge to do, to say the least. And and as you said, they have an enthusiasm problem. Trump can cure part of it. He can't cure all of it. And they're going to have to figure out what can happen. I'll just say there are those who say the Supreme Court ruling on abortion that's coming right. up could give them that right. enthusiasm. Right. So that's yep. that's something to keep an eye on for sure, because that will energize yep. a lot of voters uh, if they if they strike down Roe. Well, well, I think I agree with everything that you've just said. I see a scenario where there really is a shellacking of of Democrats, pardon me, uh, in both the House and the Senate. But then if all of a sudden now here comes Trump and it's it's not just a Virginia like let's blame Trump, even though he's not on the landscape now. Now, if it really is Trump himself, that'll shift everything on a dime. Yeah, passion will return. I agree. Big deal. For, for some, but but people are still going to want answers to the problems. Yeah, but I agree I with agree. you for sure. As always, as always, maybe you and I agree more than than most listeners would like. Uh, the word of the day: wisty, wisty. What you should do read, is read, what you should do is wisty. That's in the wide world of the news, Michael. You're very nice to plug the newsletter. I, I've got to tell you, I've gotten several emails this week from people saying, "Why can't your newsletter be as good as Michael's?" So I'm doing my best to catch up to you. High praise, but not really. Thank you, sir. Appreciate looking forward to <laughs> next you, week already. Thank you. That's Mark Talk Alpert. To you soon. Take care. Um, can we play a game of Wisty? Can we play a game of Wisty? What you should do is, what if you had the ear of Ron Klain? The whole premise of Mark's newsletter today is, is you know, people, it's just the nature of the beast, are telling the president's chief of staff what he ought to be doing. If you had his ear, what would you say? Mr. Klain, what you ought to be doing is fill in the blank. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, 
a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Hi, Tom in St. Louis. Uh, what you should do is, what would be the advice you would give to Ron Klain? Well, I guess three things real quick. I would propose some sort of um, policy for the border. Make the Republicans do something, because I don't think the Republicans really want to do anything about immigration. I think they they would rather bitch about it than do anything about it. Uh, and as far as student debt goes, I, you know, maybe forgive some of the interest. And for a guy, for a small businessman like me, the Trump tax cuts cost me about $5,000 a year in write-offs. Give some of that back to the small business owners who lost their write-offs due to that. And as far as, as far as, um, the war, keep doing what you're doing. I think I per- personally, I think it should be an insurgent war anyway. So those would be my three things. I think that Mark is right in pointing out that the, the president, it's, it's like all downside, no upside. And this is going to go on for a while. This is going to go on for a while. And I, I'm concerned about the humanitarian situation getting a hell of a lot worse. It's amazing, frankly, that it's it's gone so well thus far but we're not voting on that issue i'll tell you how we'll vote on on ukraine we will vote on ukraine if something disastrous happens then joe gets the blame if zelensky continues to repel russian invaders and does so with our arms and the alliance that we've been responsible responsible for cobbling together it won't it, it won't be a factor that I'm going out to vote in the midterm because the Biden administration has unified the world against Putin. Sorry, that's not just not who we are. And I don't mean it as a compliment. Instead, we're going to go out and vote because gas prices are, you know, four seventy nine a gallon. Or milk is X or bread is Y. That's why I say the the Republican arsenal is is lethal in a political sense immigration crime border just show the footage of you know somebody getting pushed under a subway on a loop no matter if the odds are a bazillion to one and and i'm not underestimating crime i think crime's a factor out there but i'm just saying it it, it does get blown out of proportion and people are then scared to death and that is an issue you vote on you vote on crime in new jersey this is david uh wisty what you should do is, what is your advice for Ron Klain to obviously pass on to the commander-in-chief? Go ahead, uh, David. This is David. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, if I were to speak to Ron Klain, I would advise him to tell Joe Biden, just give Joe Biden three words, toot your horn. Um, I, I don't know the man, but he seems to be a little too humble for that. Um, and we certainly had a lot of it coming out of the mouth of his predecessor. Uh, but when I think as, as to why Joe Biden was elected, way up there on the list was his foreign policy experience. And he has been able to 
reconnect NATO, reunite NATO, and reestablish the United States of America uh, in, in, in a position of prominence and in world leadership, which the day he was elected, we were not. And just consider, had NATO not come together and Ukraine were going on now, I mean, Kiev would where, have been where overrun. would the world be? Uh, Kiev would have been overrun. Of, I think. It so, would have been overrun. Yeah, I agree with yeah. uh, Listen, I like what you just Absolutely. said, but... But is that is that going to resonate with American voters? Everything you've said, I think, is fair. But is that really going to move the needle when people are looking at 40 year high inflation? I think he can't. I mean, if if you're if you're making excuses, you're losing. Uh, So I don't think you can take an approach of, hey, don't blame me for inflation. It's so much more complex than, you know, pinning it on one man's shoulders. That's not going to sell. People are going to say, oh, excuses, excuses. All right. Yeah, I so, hear you. I talk, talk about what you've done well Toot your horn. OK, Obama was guilty of the same thing. He didn't like to go out there and toot his horn. Joe, Obama, I think, is yeah. very humble. He doesn't like to do it. But I would tell him toot your horn. Say, David, tell thank us what you. you've done well and boast thank you, about sir. it. There's a, there's a, there it is. David has a specific answer to Wistie. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.